This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, welcome again. Didn't the worship team do a great job? Awesome. And like I said, uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Nathan, and I want to give this kind of just disclaimer. What we're about to talk about is, I've been here eight years, I've never talked about it, and we will not talk about it for a while again. Uh, but we're in this series that was called, We Need to Talk About It. This is my last week in the series. Adam will preach next week. Uh, but today is by far the most sensitive topic. We have talked about all types of things. Uh, talked about mental health, and we talked about why, why living and just doing what makes you happy is dangerous. We talked about the Bible last week. And today we'll have, have a conversation that's a little bit more difficult. And um, we're going to wrestle a little bit. I'm going to be honest. We're going to wrestle with it a little bit. It's probably one of those things where not all of us are going to see eye to eye. It's probably one of those things where at some point in today, we'll all be a little uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable up here speaking about it a little bit, but at least you're not up here talking about it. So that, that's where you get off the hook a little bit. But you ever had those uh, conversations in your life or, or times when, when, you, when you need to have a conversation or someone needs to talk to you about something and you know you don't want to talk about it. And you know because there's going to be tension in the room, there's going to be tension in the relationship, there's going to be... There's going to be some disagreeing and going back and forth, and it's just a difficult conversation. Uh, you ever had that? So for me, I, I had those conversations all the time, and one sticks out, and I, I did something really dumb. Anybody ever done something really, really dumb? Raise your hand. Like, hey, yeah, like, yeah. I do th- dumb things all the time still, and I made a dumb decision, and I was getting in some trouble. It was before I met Whitney, before I was married, before I was a minister. I was getting in some trouble. And, and this, uh, there's this person and there's these people in my life who weren't related to me, but they cared for me. And, and they wanted to talk to me, specifically one guy who's like a father figure to me. And, and I didn't want to talk. I, I didn't want to talk about it. Matter of fact, I thought he should mind his own business and step out of my life a little bit. But he loved me enough and he sat me down and he said, listen, we're going to have what we call a 10% conversation. A 10% conversation is this, it works off this premise that you always hold back 10% of what you're really feeling to someone. Right? You, you, you maybe have an open conversation, but really the 10% is the stuff that's uncomfortable to say, that, that you don't want to necessarily say, but you need to talk about. So we sat down and we had this conversation and he told me some things. And he said, from my perspective, Nathan, the path you're about to go on with the people you're spending time with and what you're doing, it's going to lead you to a destination you don't want to go to. It's going to lead you down a path that you don't want to be on. And, and you're doing things that aren't like you. And, and he, he told me all this and we had a conversation. And he left. And I thought in that moment, I don't know if I ever will have a relationship with this guy again. I don't know if him and I will ever have the relationship like we did before. I don't know if we can get past this. It was one of those things. I don't know if our relationship's going to continue after that. But looking back 15 years ago, 10 years ago now, it was a conversation that that changed my life. And and I didn't want to have it, but we needed it. And every once in a while in scripture and in series, you get to topics and and conversations and points where you need to have a 10% conversation. So this week I I wrestled with it and I was like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said five weeks ago we were going to talk about this because I do not want to talk about it. I I wish I I didn't do that, but but I wrestled with the topic all week. So here's where we're going to go today and just kind of a disclaimer. We're going to have an open conversation primarily, primarily on, on gender identity. I'm going to get out of the way, primarily on gender identity and the LGBTQ plus community. We're going to have that conversation. And you're like, well, why are we talking about it? 
Uh, why, why does this need to be talked about? And really, there's a couple reasons. One, I get more questions, emails, comments, concerns about something in this than any other question in the last two years. By far, without a doubt, I've had more questions about gender identity in the LGBTQ plus community than anything else, right? And, and you're like, well, this is rising sun in a small community. Don't let that fool you. It is all over. These conversations are happening all over our communities. But more importantly, they're happening on, on platforms like Instagram and TikTok really is common and, and Twitter. They're out there. And also, I have a passion for the next generation. I started my career in youth ministry, and here's what I know. Churches are too silent on too many topics. Churches don't talk about real life things at times, and most of you have real lives outside of this room when you leave today. And kids today are going into a culture that's much different than when I grew up, you know, 20 years ago, much different than if you're a parent and grew up in, and they're going to be told certain things by certain people. And here's what I believe to be true. That yes, they're going to be told those messages by culture, but I also want to make sure they're being told what we believe through God's word, what truth is. So that's why we're having a conversation. We're going to wrestle with it. It's not going to be comfortable, right? And it's not going to be fun. And like I said, some of you may disagree with me. But here's what I want to start the conversation off by saying. We live by a phrase here, if this is your first time, uh, we, we live by this phrase that I started about eight, eight years ago, six years ago when I started leading ministry. I wanted to make sure we live by this, you matter. And the premise of you matter is that you matter, that you have value, that you have dignity, and you have worth. Not because I say that, but because God created you in such a way that you have value, you have dignity, and you have worth. And he proved that by sending Jesus to die for every single person, all people. And all means all. So today, as we dive into this, when you disagree with me, I want you to think about this. When I, when I disagree with you, I'm going to think about this. When I was writing all week and praying and researching over the last six months about this topic, this is what was on my mind. You matter. Every single person in every single community of every single walk of life, of every single belief, of every single mindset matters. All right? So I'm going to, I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to pray. And we're going to get going. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We, we pray that you be with us today and you open our ears and hearts and our minds and our, and our maybe our, our feelings to what we're about to talk about. And, and we kind of throw feelings aside and look at facts and look at truth and, and look at what you have to say, God. And we just thank you so much that we get to do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with just kind of identifying or saying what LGBTQ plus means. So lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and plus. And the plus is continually moving and continually they add different letters and different mindsets. And if, that's, if this is you, if you're in this community, if, if you have someone who may identify in this community, I want to be very, very clear. Here's what, what I want to say. And just hear me on this. We want you here. And I'm glad you're here. And you matter to us. And we love you. I love you, God loves you, the elders love you, the deacons love you, this church loves you. Now, does that mean we're gonna see eye to eye? No. Does that mean we'll probably disagree at some point today? Absolutely. But my prayer for everybody today is this, that I pray today that we will leave with a better understanding that our identity comes from being made in God's image and not our sexuality. And so when we come to these topics as followers of Christ, as Christians, if you consider yourself a Christian, if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, we come to these topics and issues like this, and there's a plethora of different opinions, and there's a plethora of different concepts, and, and some ministers will act one way towards it, and some people will be really hateful towards it. So we're like, how do we view this, and how do we start the conversation? I think it's important to start by understanding this, that as followers of Christ, we're, we're dying to self, so what that means is we're no 
longer just viewing things the way we want them to be. We no longer are viewing them through the lenses of what we think is okay. We're viewing them through the lenses of what Christ says in a biblical lens. It's called a biblical Christian worldview. And so our worldview is different than how the culture's worldview. So we view things differently. We view things through a different lens. And how we view things is not by Nathan's opinion, not, not by you know, our elder's opinion, not by any church's opinion. We view things by, by truth and through what God has said or what Jesus has said in his ministry and what the Bible has to say. And so we take our cues from that. And so I say it this way. We base our standard of truth, this is so important, on the Bible, not on cultural norms. And this has been true since the beginning. If you go back to, especially the, the, old, uh, the New Testament, when, when Paul was preaching and the book of Acts was starting and he was start, Paul was starting to write these letters to churches and the Christianity was spreading in the Roman Empire, the biblical truth or G, the truth that Jesus brought, the, you know, the, the biblical truth of our world, but the Christian worldview or the Jesus worldview was much different than cultural norms. The Roman culture was far different than, than Christians. And Christians taught a different standard on how they valued women, which is really good. How, how, what the roles were, how they would treat people who weren't like them, how they would treat the poor, how they would take care of widows. All of those things were much different than the cultural norm. And so we, we view it through that. And that means when we look at topics such as, as what we're looking at today or tough topics, we have to start with certain understandings. And the first understanding we have to understand when we're dealing with people and talking about people is that God wants all people to be saved. His desire is that every single person would put their faith in Jesus. So our desire as a church is that every single person would put their faith in Jesus. That's where we start. And we get that from 2 Timothy and where Paul is writing and he, he says, this is good. And he starts talking about what is good that pleases God. And it says, God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved. That's his desire. And to come to knowledge of the truth. So not that they're just saved. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And what's the truth? It's his truth. And last week we said that truth is Jesus. That Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's like, I want everybody to be saved and know the truth, which is Jesus. So we have to remember when we're talking about this, we're not just talking about mindsets that there are people and people involved and families involved and people matter. And God wants all people and all means all people to be saved. And we have to remember something very, very specific, that we're in the business of pointing all people to Jesus. We are not in the business of condemning people. We are not in the business of judging people. We are not in the business of pointing people in a different direction outside of our church that don't look like us. We are in the business of pointing everybody who walks through these doors to Jesus. In that, that means we're going to point them to the truth that Jesus brings. So the first thing to remember is that God wants all people to be saved. That, that's kind of the baseline thing. And if you can't get behind that, if you can't say, I want all people to be saved, or God cares about all people, then quite frankly, you can't follow Jesus because that's not what Jesus says. Right? And we, we teach here that God cares about all people. All means all. And the second thing we have to remember is this. We live in this tension. We live with the tension of truth and grace. Truth and grace, two important words. And here we have to remember this. It comes from Jesus. It says, the word became flesh. He's talking of Jesus. And made his dwelling among us. So Jesus came to be with us. And it says, we have seen his glory. And the glory of the one and only son. So talking about Jesus. And he came from the father full of grace and truth. So we have to handle situations, people, and the world we live in with grace and truth. And that's very difficult because here's what happens. Too much of one ruins the other. And not enough of one doesn't solve any problem. So typically I say this, truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. 
If we were a church that only led with truth, we were going to lead, a, and I, will not, I won't ever try to lead a church like this, but we will lead a church that only teaches rules and rebellion. And what rules lead to, and only truth, and telling people why they're only wrong, and what, what they're doing is wrong, will only lead to rules and rebellion. Look at the Pharisees. No one wanted to be with the Pharisees. Look at why people leave churches. They often come to reasons like this. There's too much rules, too much truth, and, and, and that leads to rebellion. So we, we need truth, but you can't overdo truth, right? You can't only lead with truth. You also need grace. But grace without truth equals this. Do whatever you want and believe whatever you want. And that's also slippery. That, that's also dangerous. So there has to be this balance that we got to have enough truth. And we're going to say what the truth is. And we got to have grace. And part of that understanding is this, that we are to bring truth. We are to bring grace. But sometimes what we don't understand is that we're not to condemn. We're not the grace givers or the grace withholders. We all have received grace. And those who want to withhold grace from other people are often the people who don't understand, the gra- don't understand grace at all. So we live with great truth and grace. And Jesus did this perfectly. There's a scenario in, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 8. And it's, it's, a fa- it's a famous, more popular teaching. There's this woman caught in a sexual sin. And, and the sexual sin is she's caught in adultery. In Jesus' time, in Jesus' life, when you were caught in adultery, you would be stoned to death. That was your punishment. So uh, you messed up, you're stoned to death, you're killed. So the, these guys, and we don't know how this plays about, but they, they all, these Pharisees, they led with truth and no grace, and they pulled this woman out after they had probably beaten her. Her clothes were probably all torn off, and she was probably looking rough and bleeding, and they have her out in a public area. And they're gathered around her, and they've picked up the stones. Right? And they're going to stone her. And they go to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, what should we do? Jesus famously bends down and he writes in the dirt and and we don't know what he writes. Many say maybe he wrote their sins, maybe he wrote their names, but he says something really important. He says, you without sin cast the first stone. You without sin. So you, whoever you are, if if you want to condemn this woman, you without sin throw the first stone. And it says one by one, oldest to youngest, they left. I imagine Jesus picks up the lady, this young lady, and he looks at her and he says, now who is left to condemn you? Right? Who's left to judge you? And, he, and she says, no one, sir. And then Jesus, grace, neither do I condemn you. Here's truth. Go now and leave your life of sin. Grace and truth. Jesus like, yeah, I understand you're human. I understand you're flawed. I understand you mess up. And that's where we got to understand. Hey, we're all sinners. We all fall short. There's grace. Now don't keep living that way. That's truth. And the truth is that Jesus offers all of us grace and hope and he offers all of us to run from sin and to him that's grace but he offers us truth too run from your sin so that's what we're going to keep in mind we're going to keep in mind that all people want to be saved god wants all people to be saved we're going to keep in mind that we live with truth and grace we're going to remember that we are not to throw the first stone we are, are to bring the truth the grace Jesus does the condemning. God does the condemning. All right? So let's get a little controversial because that was all you guys can get behind that. Here's where, it gets, here's where most people disagree. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis. And this is what it says. And Genesis says this. Then God said, let us, and us kind of refers to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, make, image, make mankind in our image. I love that. In our image, in our likeness so they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So he's like, hey, I'm going to create humans in our image and they're going to rule over my other created beings. 
And so God created mankind. God created, that's so important. We didn't create God, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female, and that gets controversial. He created them. And God blessed them. And be fruitful. So that's part of his plan. God blesses us. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. And you've got to remember, there's only one way that humans can be fruitful and multiply, right? You guys are sticking with me, right? And I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. So that's what God says. So here's where we'll start. We'll start with this. God created us. And that's awesome. And we, should, we should be happy about that. God created us. He created you. He created me. That means you have purpose. That means you have value. That means you have dignity. And God created you and he created others. So when we see people, we should see them as sons of daughters that God created, right? We should treat them in such a way that they're like, man, you were created by God. You drive me nuts, but you were created by God, right? You're like, I may not like you, but you were created by God. I love you, right? And that's how we should see people. But what happens is today, and we live in this cancel and this woke culture, and every time someone disagrees with us, what do we start doing? We start tearing them down. As soon as someone votes differently than us, acts different than us, different skin color for some people, we start tearing them down. But what we have to realize is they're created by God. And if God created them, if God made them, then they have dignity, they have value, and they have worth. Then we should treat them. If God created them, which he created all people, here's what we should do. We should treat them with dignity, with value, and with worth. Because they matter to him, they should matter to us. If God made them, and he created everybody. He created them with dignity, value, and worth then we should treat them with dignity, value, and worth. Because if they matter to him, they should matter to us. And that's awesome. And then it goes on, verse 27, it says this. I love this. So God created mankind in his own what? Image. He, he created mankind in his own image. His own image. This is what we call an identity verse. This is your identity. God created you. God gave you the identity. God gave it to you. You received it. You didn't achieve it. You received it. God created mankind in his own image. And the implications is that God created is the eternal creator that created everything. And our identity comes from God. It's right here. He created us in his own image, and he loves us. And he creates us to be in relationship with him and to find our identity this is so important. This is, I'm going to get to why this matters. Our identity in him. Nothing else. And I love the words, our image and our likeness. Our image and our likeness. It's just describing these are identity words. And what he is saying is that God created people, male and female, in his image and his likeness. And what's awesome is there's nothing else. You got to get this. So even if you came here today, you're like, man, I don't have value. I don't have worth. I don't feel a certain way. I, I, I don't know what my identity is. Listen, there's only one thing in all creation that God made his image. He didn't make birds. He didn't make lizards. He didn't make fish. He didn't make anything else in his image except us. He made it you. He made you in his image. That means human life is distinct. Human life is sacred. Human life is unique. Human life is made in the image of God. It's the imago Dei. It's the Latin term that means this. It's that we are made in the image and likeness of God. We're made in the image and likeness of God. That's where our identity comes from. 
And, and what happens for so many people, and I, I believe, here's what I believe, even if you don't agree with what I'm saying today, this, ver- this idea that we're, you're created in God's image and that's where your identity comes from, if you can get this down, if you can understand this, I believe this understanding would change your entire life. That God gives us our identity and nothing else. Because if you look around, what the root of so many problems are is we have an identity crisis. Some people say, hey, you know, Nathan, you know, I, I don't, my, my, my success is my identity. That's great, right? And you may be really successful, but no one's successful all the time. Eventually you'll fail. And what happens to your identity? It crumbles. Well, my identity is my bank account. I, I, I think my identity is found in how much money I make. Well, that's great until your gas prices are $5 a gallon, right? Right? It, it's, it's great until housing market's up, and that, that, inflation's up. That's great until you have no money. Well, my, my, well, Nathan, my identity is how I feel my sexuality, how I feel inside my gender. That's great, but what changes in our life? Feelings change. According to the weather, according to what's going on in our life, feelings change. What happens for so many people and what happens for me at times and you is we have an identity issue, is we have an identity crisis because our identity is not received, it's achieved. And once it's achieved, it can be lost. Let me explain that. In the beginning, God created man, mankind, in his image. He created them, male and female. It was received by us. There was nothing that we could do to receive that. God, God gave that to us. He's like, this is your identity. That's your identity. But what happens is so many times is we put our identity in something that's achieved, our job, being a parent. Well, what happens when kids grow up and they move away, right? Or, or our career or our bank account. We put it in so many things that it's achieved. And once it's achieved, if, you, if your identity is achieved, it can be lost. And you know that. And w- why am I talking about that? Well, I'm talking about this because of this. That our primary, primary identity is not in our sexual identity. That's not, it's not. Our primary identity is that we're created sons and daughters of, of the God who created us and loved us. That's where our identity is found. So let's go, back to, let's go back to what it says here in verse 27. God created them. You guys finish it for me. He created them, right? Uh, you guys, you, I got to put you guys to say that too. So I didn't say it. You all said it. So you guys are on the hook with me now, right? We're here together, right? So God created them, male and female. He created the male and female. And this is, where it gets, this is where it gets tricky. So what I've been doing for the last several months is trying to figure out, because this is where it all starts. The debate all starts here. All the, all the you know, conversations, all the books, all the ones that are anti-Christian start right here. I'm telling you, this is where they start. And I'm not an expert on this. A lot, what, a lot about what I'm going to say is research, but I want to show you what's going on. And I want to have a conversation about what's going on. I want to show you some thoughts. So here's what I found through research. It, it really starts with three areas of life. There's your sex, which is your biological and physical creation. Okay, male or female, right? Sex, right? Then there's your gender. And your gender, this is what the world says, your gender is how you see yourself. And then your sexuality is... Who you, who or what you're attracted to. Now, don't ask me exactly what the big difference is. I, I'm still a little confused on it, but this is what they say. So sex, male or female, gender is how you see yourself, and sexuality is who or what you're attracted to. So here's what the Bible has to say about those three areas. The Bible says what? The Bible says that sex is fixed, binaries, male and female. 
Nothing else, right? Fixed. Gender is fixed. It has to do with your male or female. Feminine and masculine, right? And then sexuality is fixed. It's for marriage between one man and one woman. So here's where it gets fun. Here is what happens in culture. Here's what I found that through my research and what people were saying. Okay, most people, there there are some extremists who will say that sex, there's more than three sex, right? And there's rare occasions of something happening at birth, but some will say there's a bunch of other type of sex, but most people will primarily say, okay, we'll get behind that there's male and female, and that's why you can dig up a grave from 1700, look at the bones, look at the structure, and say, hey, that's a male or female without ever knowing their name, right? So they agree on that, but the one they don't agree on is the last two, but what we're talking a lot about today is gender. So the world says that gender is something else. So gender, it pertains to your inner self, of of your identity. So how you feel or how you perceive yourself to feel or how you perceive yourself to be. It's all about how you're feeling. So that includes things like behavior, appearance, clothing, roles, and there's no necessary correlation between your physical sex and your gender. So this all suddenly creates an issue. Here's what happens. This makes gender radically subjective, known only to that person. So all of a sudden, this is where we start seeing this LBG, LGBTQ plus to come in. Well, I was born a male, but sometimes I identify as a female, or I always identify as a female, or I was born a female and I identify this way. And there's so it's so subjective, it's so fluid. Things continue to change, continue to change, and continue to change, and it gets confusing. So this is what the world will say. Like here's what they say about these three subjects: that sex is fluid. It's fluid, right? There's more than male and female. Gender is fluid. It's unfixed. It's however you feel in the moment or, or, the, or the situation or the year or the day. And sexuality, it's fluid. You can love who you love. Love is love. Now here is where we're going to make the stand. We don't agree on this. The Bible doesn't agree with this. Wait, whoa, 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 Nathan, that's not, that's not loving. Like, listen, listen. Yes, it is. Because the most loving thing anybody can ever do is tell someone the truth. And again, I'm going to remind us, we stand on God's truth, not cultural norms. And I know, and I, I want to be very empathetic, I, I understand I, that some people in their minds struggle a certain way and feel a certain way. And I'm, I'm empathetic about that. And I know some of you have loved ones who may struggle with that. I'm empathetic, and, and I, re, I believe it's real. And I believe it's a struggle. And I believe some people have identity crisis. I really do. But I believe also at the same time, that God created us male and female. And that being created male or female, that's our identity that's, achieved, that's received by God. And it's a gift from God. And male and female, we're, we're different. We're different in our chromosomes. We're different in our DNA. We're different in our voices. We're different in our bodies. We're different in our minds. We have different reproductive organs. Girls, you can do things that guys can't. Girls, you have this amazing superpower if you want to to have a baby, right? Trust me, guys cannot handle that. I'm just telling you right now, we couldn't do it, right? And males, you have other gifts. Like women, you're so uniquely designed. And men, you're so uniquely designed. And these, we're so different, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for those differences. And I believe that those differences are, are, are special. They're a gift. And we should celebrate the differences. So listen, I'm, I'm a male, I got an Adam's apple. I got a beard. If I wanted not to grow a beard, if I shaved this tomorrow, it would come back the next day. No matter what I do, this beard is coming back, right? I, I, I'm Polish. My last name is Pelahowski. I have other reproductive organs that I did not choose at birth that you could not see. I'm a Polish male, right? 
I can't change that. Those were chosen for me by the one who created me and loved me, by the one who gave me value, the one who gave me dignity, and the one who says my life matters. They were cre- those were chosen for me. Those can't be chosen by me. You were created the way you were created. Those were chosen for you by the creator who loves you, who gave you dignity, who says you, va- you matter. They sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. Those were chosen for you. Those were received by you from God. They can't be chosen by us because our identity comes from God and nothing else in this world. Right, so we continue. So the, the people are like, well, okay, what does Jesus have to say then? What, what does Jesus have to say? Because everybody, like, everybody's like, well, that's Genesis. And Genesis, we don't know if we believe in Genesis yet. That's just, there's a lot of stuff in Genesis and the Old Testament we don't agree with. So what does Jesus say? And, and it's going to be on the screen in, in just a second. And Jesus says this. Haven't you read? What's he referring to? He's referring back to Genesis. Haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? He said this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united, that's a key word, united to his wife, and the two, listen here, will become one, the two will become one, one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus is doubling down that God created us male and female. And he says we are created these unique differences in such a way that only a male and female can be united. A male and male cannot be united the way God intended, and a female and female cannot be united the way God intended. There, there's certain structures, a certain way we're created, you all know what I'm talking about, that, that create a union together that God says is between male and female. And it's a beautiful design. It's beautiful, right? And God has made the unity between male and female, and we need to hold on to it. There's a reason that the Bible describes the most precious relationship in all of humanity is between a husband and wife. There's a reason that that is the illustration that Christ, we're, you know, the church is Christ's bride. There's a reason those illustrations are made. Right? God has made the unity male and female, and we need to hold to it. And then I started doing some other research, and I saw, well, some people start to say this, well, you know, God made a mistake with me. You know, because of things, God made a mistake with me. And I, I just want to say this. You are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. That God hasn't made a mistake with you. And, I, and again, we recognize that you may feel a certain way and may have certain mindsets and you may want to go by a different pronoun. You may want to identify something else. But just because you feel that way doesn't mean you're a mistake. And I would just encourage you, building your identity on the fault line uh, of feelings leads to a continued uncertainty. Because here's one thing I guarantee you about life that I don't know, that I know about you even though I don't know your life, is that your feelings change. Your emotions change. If you build your identity on feelings and emotions, you're going to have continued uncertainty. And at the end of the day, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's where we stand. We are who God says we are. And your highest value in life comes from God not our sexual identity or anything else. That's where we stand. And so, uh, you know, Nathan, they're like, hey, you know, first was like, preach it, preach it, preach it. Okay? Anything else means your identity is not your job. You know, your identity is, is not your career. It's not your how you vote. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Republican Christian. That's my identity. No, it's not. That's not your identity. 
I'm a democratic Christian. That's why I do. No, 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 it's not. Some parents, some of us parents, we're, 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 grow, we're tr- raising our kids to think their identity is found in their, their academic success or athletic success. That's not their identity. And the best thing you can do as a parent is tell them where their identity comes from, not from us, it comes from God. Your highest value in life comes from God, not our sexual identity or anything else. Okay, so how do we land this home? How do I land the plane today to make this difference and why we need to talk about why you care about this? So I start thinking, well, am I outraged? Am I, I'm not, am I necessarily like outraged? No, am I worried? Yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried about cancel culture. I'm worried about what happens in Canada where I can't, I, in Canada, I couldn't talk about this. Uh, I'm worried about the agenda that's pushed. I'm worried that if you believe what the Bible says, you're considered one way and that may not even be true. Uh, I'm worried uh, about woke culture. I'm worried about all those things. And I'm also worried about this, how I see Christians responding to it. That's actually what I'm more concerned about. I can't control the world. I have no impact on the world. I can't control Christians, but I get to preach to Christians every week. And what I'm more concerned about is the lack, of the, the way, the people I see as Christians who I would never want to represent me. So, so many times in culture, we, we, we have taken things like this and we, we're outrage monsters. And what I found this week in talking with somebody in this book I read, they said this, outrage doesn't change the world. The love of Christ does. Outrage doesn't. You see examples of outrage all the time and nothing's changing. Outrage doesn't change the, the, the world. The love of Christ does. See, Christ said this, and that's who we follow, right? That's what we do. We're, we're Christians. We're disciples. That means we follow Jesus. And, and what Jesus did, he had this unique ability. He would go with these people that were nothing like him. And he would have dinner with them, and he'd eat with them, and he would spend time with them. And then he would say, hey, like, listen, I love you, but you need to change. He never once left and said, hey, don't change. He always is continually telling them to change. But here's where it gets different. People are like, well, Nathan, I, I, I just can't. I can't do that. I can't be pro this. I can't be pro that. I can't, I can't spend time with them. Listen, Jesus was not pro-sinner, was he? Who flocked to him? Sinners. He wasn't pro-tax collectors. Matter of fact, he probably couldn't stand the tax collectors, but guess what? Who was one of his disciples? Oh, Matthew. He was a tax collector. And then another time, there's a short man named Zacchaeus who climbed up a tree. Jesus came to town and said, hey, get out of the tree. We're going to eat at your house. Tax collector. Jesus wasn't pro-adultery, but the moment he saw that woman caught in adultery, you know what he did? He, he ridiculed the crowd who was mistreating her, not the woman. He told her, hey, no, I don't condemn you, now go sin no more. But they loved him, and they flocked to him. So I, we have to ask ourselves, do people who don't look like us, who may have a different gender identity than us, maybe who have same-sex attraction, do they want to be with us? That's the toughest question. Because if they can't get love and, ex- love and hope and truth here, you know what they'll do? They'll turn somewhere where else they can. They'll find it somewhere else. I say, well, why not us? Why not us? I, I want people of all, I want all sinners here. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, I want everybody here. I want all broken people here. I want everybody who's looking for hope to come here. I want every single person in this town, in this community to come here because we have the best message. We have the message of the gospel. We have the message of hope. So why not us? We gotta ask ourselves, do they wanna be like us? And my answer at times and my worry would be, or do they wanna be with us? My answer for some, my worry for some of us in this church is, you know, some of us would say, you know what? I don't want them here anyways. 
And we can't have that because that's not who Jesus was. You see, Jesus was able to have a clear ethical stance, which we will. We will always stand on truth. We will always stand on the word of God. But he spoke, and he spoke clear about sin and yet still drew people to him. That's what he did. Why does that matter? Well, if you talk to the school, if you, if you talk to teachers, you may think, oh, this is just rising sun. It's just Aurora. It's just Lawrenceburg. It's just Wichita County. No way that's happening. That's happening. And as I was riding this week, this kept coming to my mind over and over again. There may be a 16-year-old boy or girl who's in this community, who's in this church maybe, I don't know, who's struggling with, with feelings and thoughts and desires, and they don't know what to do. And you know, many times you'll see statistically they may take their lives because of that. And we gotta care about that at the, at the baseline. We gotta care about that. But they may be looking for someone to love them. To say, I, I'm gonna, I love you enough to wrestle with this and it makes me uncomfortable. I might not have all the answers. We may not agree, but I wanna wrestle with this. I wanna talk about, you. I wanna talk about this with you. I love you. And they need us to hear God loves them. But the question is, do we love them? I can't answer that for you. I can't answer that for anybody else. But do we love them? And yeah, we gotta love truth. We do. We gotta love others. We gotta live in that truth and grace and it's gonna be messy and it's difficult and it's hard. And sometimes people will still think, call us names and sometimes people will still disagree with us and some people may still be mad about what I said today, right? But we're gonna wrestle with it. Why, why are we gonna wrestle with it? Because everybody you ever come eyeball to eyeball with matters. And that's what we believe. And, that the, and the, the baseline is this. The gospel, the gospel, what we believe in, the gospel of Jesus isn't primarily about gender and sexuality. It's a, it's a call to die to ourselves, to die to any desire, to die to any sin, to anything that gets in our way and submit to Christ and experience the joy of walking in the light. Because the most scandalous thing the Bible actually does say has nothing to do with gender identity or homosexuality. The most scandalous thing the Bible does say is this, that you were, you were dead to your sin, but Christ loved you so much that he put down his life for you. And the gospel is the reality is the gospel is stronger than any sin. And Christ's death washes us clean and Christ's resurrection gives us life. And when we die to ourselves, when we die to our desires, this is what we experience. So as the worship team comes up here today, I want to read one verse. Because this is just, a, we can't talk about everything today. All right? And this is just an open conversation. This is just a start. But I want us to remember this. As we live in this world, as we live in this society, we have a call. Jesus was talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this to his followers and to his disciples. And he's speaking to us. You, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Listen, church, in the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that you may, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're to bring light into the darkness, hope into the broken, we're to be people who live full of truth and grace. We leave the condemning up to Christ. And we are in the business of pointing everybody we can, of all communities, of all race, of all backgrounds, and all names, to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that we can have conversations like this where we may not all agree, may not all see this eye to eye. Father, we, we find our hope in you, our identity in you. 
So I thank you for the stories in this room, the people in this room. Father, and just I pray that you meet them in their lives. I don't know what's going on. If anybody needs prayer or talk or make a decision for you today, Father, we'll be in the back of the room and we'd love to pray and talk for them. God, I pray that we just rest our time. We just glorify our voices and our thoughts to you. In your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.